Maybe Morgan dressed like Wolverine Maybe Dave ate his way out of trouble Maybe Dustin's diorama came in last Maybe Morgan tunneled out of jail Maybe Dustin ran for council member Maybe Dave found himself horribly miscast Find out what happened Yes, find out what happened Since when last we left our Welcome to When Last We Left Our Podcast, a bi-weekly storytelling podcast hosted by me, Morgan Tielli. Me, Dave Worth. And me, Dustin Diodato. Each week we tell true life stories inspired by the events that happened to us since the last time we recorded this podcast. When last we left our podcast, Dustin stressed out about relaxing, Morgan got irrationally angry at people doing their jobs, and Dave learned a valuable lesson. This week, Dave heroically swoops in, Morgan is still single, and Dustin gets not young. Spoiler alert, Dave. Yeah. (laughs) Spoiler alert on all of ours. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Um, Well, anyway, I'll tell my spoiler. Wait, before we... Yeah, please. Oh, yeah, we got to do a thing. That's true. Uh, We will be doing a live version of this podcast. This very podcast. Yes. Who would possibly host a thing like that? QED Astoria would. Oh, I thought thought you meant us. We would do it. We would also be hosting hosting the the venue. The venue will be, yeah. For those of you uh, in the New York area, please come out. Uh, This is June 29th. 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 From seven thirty to nine. Yeah, that is that is true. For the low cost of eight dollars, if you buy online, or ten at the door. Yeah, which you can and find at our fancy looking website. Yeah, and come early, have a drink with us. We'll be nervous. Come yeah. late and just be very quiet when you come in. Yeah, uh, and we'll have a special guest. Um, we're keeping it under wraps at the moment. Yeah, super yeah. under wraps. So special that we can't talk about them. It's like Voldemort. It's it's Voldemort. You can't. We are having Voldemort. Yeah, you can't. You can can't. You not say Voldemort. Sorry, I, without mm. summoning. I don't know. I think yeah, it's like Bloody Mary. You have to say his name three times, and we said it two and a half. So fortunately, we didn't finish it the last time. Okay, All good. Right. Great. I like how <laughs> that, I started right in on my story. Like literally, the conversation we had just before you had record was we need to remember to plug our live. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, muscle memory makes me start talking. Uh, yes. Yeah. Thank God I'm a professional. Thank God someone here is, because right. Lord knows it's not me. Anywho, on that note, I'll tell my, my story. Um, I went to get dinner with some friends of mine from college. A friend of mine who had moved out to the West Coast came back. Um, ba- <laughs> Sorry, based on your teaser, I thought you were going to be like... I am a hero. I, <laughs> There's no doubt of my hero-ness. Um, I mean, why do I need to say it? You, you just said it, right? Mm-hmm. You guys have all seen the YouTube videos of that masked vigilante that's been defending our streets. <laughs> <laughs> You've all seen I was the gorilla. I was the gorilla yeah. they shot. Um, Sorry, I didn't. Uh, okay. Too soon. Um, anyway, I'm a hero. Now, I... Um, I I went and visited uh, with a friend of mine in Brooklyn. Uh, a couple of other friends of mine from college came. We all got Ethiopian food. It was great. And uh, my friend, I hadn't seen him in like four or five years. I hadn't seen most of these people in four or five years. Uh, so now everybody's turning the corner on having kids and getting into long-term relationships and all that jazz. And 
becoming respectable adults. So naturally you start thinking about like your life and putting things in perspective and how much time do I have? And I'm looking at 40 and taking the G train back, thinking about that, get out of the G train. G train's a horrible train. Um, uh, and I walk up to the transfer to the seven train, which is above ground. G train is very far underground. Seven train is above ground, elevated tracks, so I walk up some flights of stairs and an escalator, still thinking. And it's about 10, 10.30 when I get onto the 7-train platform. There's no train. There's a few people on the platform. And I'm standing about mid-platform. This guy sort of standing there. He's about my height. And he's sort of uh, rocking back and forth in that way. It's like, oh, this, this guy has had a considerable amount of alcohol tonight. He walks towards the tracks and sits down and then starts to stick his legs out over, over the, the ledge of the tracks. And a couple of people see this. I can see them see it, and they just sort of roll their eyes. <laughs> and across the tracks, a train pulls in and then stops. And for the record, it stays there the entire time, which means there were like two employees of the MTA somewhere nearby who should have probably seen something and probably done something. I'm also going to preface the rest of the story by saying everybody in this story did the wrong thing. Don't do what anybody did. Including yourself? I don't know what the right thing was, but I'm pretty sure I did the wrong thing. Okay. Now, what I did. I immediately started going, don't! (laughs) (laughs) Don't! And the guy looks at me and he goes, what do I do? And I go, not that, don't. He goes, I dropped my phone. I go, okay, don't go after it. What do I do? Go downstairs to the, the desk guy and tell him, what is he going to do? And with that, he drops off onto the tracks. He picks up his phone, and his phone's fine. And then he goes on a journey of discovery. <laughs> the journey of discovery goes on, is that the uh, uh, the tracks the track bed is much deeper than it looks. It's about five feet down. He's about my height. I'm five six. So you just see his eyes mm-hmm. looking up, and now he's like down there. And he's like, ah, oh, I gotta get out of here. Well, when you're drunk, that's already difficult. But when you're drunk and you're trying to leverage yourself up with your hands at eye level. Like, nobody has that upper body strength. So he's jumping up, he's trying to push himself up, and he drops down. And he can't. And everybody on the... There are plenty of people on the platform. All of them just sort of look away. Wow. As one. And this guy's just down there. So I walk over. (laughs) And like, okay. And I reach down. I'm like, give me your hand. He jumps up, because that's not what he should have done. He jumps up and tries to grab my hand, and misses, and falls, and falls back towards the third rail, and misses his, it with his head by about a foot. Mm-hmm. This is going super well. The thing about the Court Square station that you should also know is it's a station that come, that, where the train is going to come in on a curve. So it's going to come around a curve at speed, and then start slowing down. So this guy's going to get about 10 seconds of notice that a train's coming, 
and that's how much time the train operator is going to have to try and stop the train. In short, this guy is going to be murdered by a train. So I reach down again. I'm like, give me your hand. Don't do anything. Just give me your hand. He, re- he clasps my arm with his hand. I clasp his arm with mine. I am not a strong man. But I deadlifted this guy out of the tracks and put him on the platform. And then he got up and he went, I knew I wasn't going to get hit. And then he hugged me and said, thank you. <laughs> and they went, what do I do next time? And I went, uh, not that. And that's when a train pulled in. <laughs> and I turned away from him and got onto a car that was specifically not his, because whatever other trouble he was going to get into tonight, I didn't want to be a part of. And my wife was away that weekend. Um, uh, she had... Uh, I had actually been talking with her on the phone, on the platform, and hung up about 30 seconds before I saw this guy go over the edge. So when I got back to the apartment, I called her, and I told her what had happened. And I started kind of shaking, and she could hear it in my voice, and she was like, why, what? It sounds like it went, everything's fine. And it was at that point that I went, there was a 50% chance of him pulling me in. Had he been slightly heavier or just like flopped around more, I just would have gone over the side with him. I didn't. I'm fine. He's fine. Everybody walked away. Nobody. (laughs) You think there's an alarm or something that goes off when that happens? No, there's nothing. It's just the trains kept running. Nothing stopped. It's a very small, ultimately not very big deal that made me feel like vomiting (laughs) and I could not sleep that night. Damn. Yeah. Yes, you did do the wrong thing. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, absolutely did. It's tough because the right thing from what I understand is you're supposed to go and run and find a train operator and tell them to like tell the train to run. Yeah, no, that's what I I mean. I was doing the math. It was like, it will take me enough time by which point he'd probably be dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I, I don't, I can't visualize the court square station, but the ticket booth isn't like right outside the turnstile. No, no, no. It's, it's down <clears throat> like a couple flights of stairs through the turnstile. Then you have to tell the guy if he's even there. Right. Which, if there's not a line, if there's right. not some tourists. Well, there, there'll always doing. be a guy there because it's, it's that type of turnstile, yeah. but I understand what you mean. Yeah. Uh, and um, for the record, yeah. it would be involuntary manslaughter not murder because the train didn't have the intent well that's true that's it true. wasn't premeditated yeah desire to kill this person it true. would be that's very true you know it's not so i just i just want to be clear before you start going true. to accuse the mta of murder yeah right no, no. that no jury would yeah. convict that train involuntary manslaughter is unless more appropriate charge fair. it was a jury made up of rats who have been subway rats subway rats yeah. who've lost right. then you never know where they're ones. gonna go yeah yeah that's true they may, they may have a... They may have a vendetta. Yeah. They also don't have the ability to process words. So it's a little unclear. It's true. Right. They also yeah. aren't legal citizens. Right. So they Similar probably, to the way trains aren't. Yeah. That's also, that's also uh, accurate. Well, I mean, that's... So that's what happened. That's a good job. Thanks. Yeah. Congratulations. No, yeah. that's... I mean, it's goddamn impressive that you saved this man's life and deadlifted him. I absolutely don't have the upper body strength to do uh, neither any do, of that. Neither do I. <laughs> I guess it was that sort of like... 
emergency strength that I yeah, hear. No, and, and like as soon as I put him down, like I got like that like hazy vision around oh, like, wow. yeah. you know, like of like my body going, You did you did that, you should you couldn't. <laughs> I get that from standing up from the toilet. So yeah. I oh, mean, well, it, you're always that's yeah. that's some hard work too. Yeah. It, it, well they do also say that when a drunk idiot is stuck under a car, a a normal person's ability to lift that car you get the strength of, yeah, yeah. of twelve yeah. mothers, yeah. 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 So yeah, that was that was my mama bear moment. I think there's also like a ladder at the end for the record. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, the other thing you're supposed to do is run. You're supposed away to run from away from the train the, towards the ladder. But he wasn't going to know to do that. But the the other thing about the Court Square station is like if you look down, don't. But if you do look down over the edge, um, uh, it's four. I mean, it's it's, it's street. Uh, street. Yeah. yeah, like it's 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 the it's the to- oh. it's the railroad ties, uh, uh, and. Ho- hollow underneath it's just you see the street so like he would have just been putting his foot through and like falling off oh that's an elevated mm. oh okay yeah. man yeah I, I i know i've taken that station but i cannot visualize it for the life of me yeah. i was thinking it was deep underground like the canal street station or something no, no, no. yeah no i've taken it a lot and i do know that like it does a sharp turn into mm-hmm. that station where yeah. there's really no warning whatsoever yeah mm. so uh good job yeah, yeah. all uh, right my, my story i'm less of a hero and more of a John Everyman. You're my hero, Morgan. Uh, don't don't count your heroes before they they hero. Um, <laughs> so last week was Dustin's birthday, yeah, and happy you. birthday to Dustin. Thank you. And that day, I had just a series of irritants before going to Dustin's party, which was the one thing I was looking forward to. Um, oh, thanks. Yeah, welcome. Uh, I say almost combatively. Um, For some reason, my job decided to treat us to a happy hour, which is very nice of them, but it's that sort of mandatory fun that I generally don't like. Um, And it it was also nice of them because I guess it was supposed to make up for how hard they've been riding us with the workload for the past year and a half, which a happy hour is not going to fix that. Um, what's up, Dave? The, the, the mandatory fun in a nutshell for me is when the job that laid me off and like eight other people who work there when the economy went to hell, um, they suggested that we all have a party on our last day. (laughs) Nice. Everyone wants to be there for that. That, that got, that got meant with some, some stiff resistance. I bet. Do you not do the party? Oh, I did not do that party. No, I, I told them. I told the guy who was like coming at me with parties, like he would send his staff members. He was like the office manager and he had staff under him. There was no redundancy <laughs> in the place. No reason to lay people off. Right. The office manager had staff. Anyway, for a 30 people person office, I'm getting off track. He would send like members of his staff to me to be like, to get my permission to have this party. And eventually, and I kept being like, I don't think it's a good idea. I don't think it's a good idea. And eventually I just, told this very nice young lady who came over and with like this, these apologetic eyes, I just looked at her in the face and I said, tell him he can have that party if he wants, but I will act in accordance with how I feel about this place. I mean, why wouldn't you just say like, yeah, let's do it at a bar and order like, like $60 oh, glasses it wouldn't of have been an open bar. They would have done it in a bar and then they would have like had us pay our own tabs. Oh, then... Because that was historically that place. Oh, then screw that. Yeah. Okay. Morgan? So, starting my story... <laughs> um, Sorry, Morg. It's quite all right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in this case, mandatory fun was... It was 
we went an hour before we would have gotten off shift. So that was nice. They paid for our drinks. That was very nice. But it was with the boss and the son of the CEO. And they're very lovely people. But what can you talk about? Woohoo, let's cut loose and talk about politics. Yeah, like avoiding politics, avoiding talking about our jobs. Mm-hmm. And while I'm friends outside of work to a degree with a lot of my coworkers, we don't really hang out that much outside of work. Maybe once a month, maybe. So it's not like we have a lot of shared points of reference, on top of which we're all specifically nerdy in a way that my boss and definitely the son of the CEO aren't. So it's not like we could start nerding out about Harry Potter or the Marvel movies because then the CEO's son and the boss are just... Sitting there. Can What's I ask up, Dave? Another question. This, not not to put. This is, I should put out. This is all the prelude to my story. I'm sorry. I just I gotta I gotta ask. Like sure. I, not to put anybody on blast here, but why is the son of the CEO hanging out at parties? No idea. Like, doesn't he have like fun no son of CEO stuff, like driving around in Ferraris? He can do. I assume he also has a baby. I don't know why he wasn't. Maybe he wanted to get away from dealing with the baby. Maybe. I have no idea. Um, nice guy. It's just. The whole thing was odd. So I, I managed to, you know, my, my goal was I was going to leave it promptly at five, but I kind of got roped into being there a little bit later. I left a quarter after and I, I kind of had to like make an excuse to leave. The excuse was I have a date, which is itself annoying because there's that expectation of if you're single, you have to have a reason to leave a thing. But if you're in a couple or relationship, you know, oh, well, my, my wife's waiting or my girlfriend's waiting or I have like a thing to do, but Otherwise, it's like, well, you've got nothing but time. Just hang out forever. So I had to. And I don't like talking about the fact I'm going on a date, but I needed an out. So and it was a it was a bumble date, um, which is the sort of thing where it feels perfunctory to begin with. Like I wasn't the woman seemed nice enough, but I wasn't looking forward to it particularly because it's a bumble date. For those of us who are not. Sure. It's like Tinder. Date a people bumbles tinder it's like tinder except it's more woman focused i mean it's specifically designed to be the feminist dating app oh, so is that the one where she has to say yes yeah, yeah. okay um and this woman you know we, I, I got there and that was the other thing was that the bar that the happy hour is at wasn't the one that it was originally going to be they decided to go to a different one at the last second which was much further away from the train stop so i had to hoof it for about 20 minutes just to get back to the, the station i needed to so i ended up getting to the date late um, the woman was very, very nice. She's this redheaded woman who, uh, had a self-described rubber face. She's a character actress who did a lot of comedy. Um, but there was zero chemistry and it was clear right away that there was just zero chemistry. Being a, a youthful looking 38 year old that I am, I find that I tend to fall into one of two categories with dating. I'm either dating Women who are attracted to me because they think I'm 10 years younger than I am, which means that they're 10 years younger than I am, which I'm not really interested in dating, or women who are attracted to me on paper because I'm a responsible 38-year-old who's holding down a job and has his own apartment, but I look like I'm 28, and then we meet in person, and there's that sense of like, oh, you, I look like I'm much older than you, and vice versa, and that gets weird. And that, this date felt into that latter category. She looked 38 which is fine. I don't. And I could tell right away that this was like, oh, you don't look like a grown up and I'm not interested in dating a child sort of a thing. So we had a nice conversation. I sobered up over coffee from the happy hour drinks, but I left there feeling annoyed and feeling even more pronouncedly single. So then I went over to Dustin's party 
And the thing I told myself, one of the reasons I was looking forward to Dustin's party was I enjoy Dustin and Dave's company. The other, no, da, 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 da. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, the other reason is I thought, well, maybe I'll meet someone single at this party. That could happen potentially. Um, and the problem with having all of your friends are married and all of their friends are married or in relationships with significant others is that you're the single guy at the party. And that leaves you out of a lot of the conversation. Like there's just this large chunk of everything that I can't be a part of because I don't, I don't have that in my life. I I don't, it's hard to describe because it's, it's this weird, lonely state of knowing that wherever I go, I'm kind, kind of out of my depth a little bit. Um, and I also don't have the support system and that couples have. And as I got more and more, I was having a nice time at Dustin's party, but the, the problem, one of the reasons I don't drink, um, and I've talked about this a little bit on, on here before, is that I don't like the person I become when I drink. And that person is someone who's kind of, I lose my editing ability. I lose my precision in how I think and talk. But I also tend to f- feel my emotions magnified when I've been drinking. So if I go in feeling very happy, I'm probably going to be very happy and bouncy. But if I go in feeling annoyed, I'm going to end up leaving feeling really, really annoyed. And coming to Destin's party, I was feeling a little hollow and depressed about being single. And then being in a room surrounded by couples and the conversation inevitably any conversation I'm in goes back to the person significant other. That's which makes sense. People are committing part of their lives to another person. That person's going to come up in the stories that they tell and in the conversations. And so there was this constant reminder of this thing that I don't have. And this thing that I've desperately wanted for a very, very long time. And that has eluded me for many, many, many years. Um, and that started to make me feel more and more hollowed out. Um, and knowing that when I go home, I was just going to be going back to my empty, hollow apartment. Um, it's hard to describe exactly what's so frustrating about being the one single guy left or feeling like you were the one single guy left. And I think part of it is that, rightly or wrongly, I feel like a lot of people who are in relationships have kind of forgotten either forgotten what it was like to be single or for it's a, it's not even the same thing It's when you're single in your twenties, everyone's kind of figuring it all out together. But when you're single by yourself in your thirties, you're at a different point in your life where you're dealing with family tragedies and you're dealing with the, uh, physical breakdowns, things going wrong physically for you, for your family things that you don't necessarily really deal with in your 20s. And my friends who are couples are going through a lot of those same things, but they're going through it together. Whereas I have to do it by myself and I'm doing everything by myself and doing everything by myself is exhausting and it's frustrating. And when I go home, I don't have a person there to tell me it's going to be okay or to just like sit there and hold my hand. And that is exhausting. Um, and so when I went home, I was slightly tipsy, drunk, and feeling 
very, very, very single. Now, today was an enormous pain in the ass to come to record this episode because it's Memorial Day in New York City and the trains are unreliable at best. Took me two hours to come up here. Um, That was really, really, really irritating. And knowing that's going to be probably an enormous pain in the ass to head home today has not made the journey a particularly fun one. Um, On top of which, I will be doing all of that just to go home to turn on the lights to an empty apartment and to crawl into an empty bed and then go to work tomorrow. And there won't be anyone there to tell me that it's going to be okay and that I'll get through this and that all the things that are waiting for me for next week or the week after or the week after that with my family, with my job, that those things I'll get through them because I'm just going to have to do this by myself for the foreseeable future. That's it. That's my depressing tale. Remember when I said spoiler, spoiler alert, Mm -hmm. um, when, when you're going to reference my birthday party as being the thing that reminded you about everything that makes you sad in the universe. Yeah. Maybe spoiler alert on that one for me so that I don't feel like the worst person that's ever been. No, and I, I felt I debated bringing this up because I didn't want to make this about your birthday party making me sad. Like, no, I'm no, hap- I, I, I totally was, I was, Look, I'm very, I was very honored that you invited me because we haven't known each other that long. Um, I love the fact that I'm getting to know you and Joy better. And like, we've, we've known, I shouldn't say that, we've known each other for a number of years, but not like very, very well. Yeah. So that was like, it was a huge honor. It has nothing to do with you specifically. Oh, it's, yeah, no. I, it's this place that I met in my life where, and it's something that Lynn and I have talked about. Um, year before last, Lynn and I were going to go to your uh, New Year's party. And the last second, we decided instead to go to this weird, nude um, stand-up comedy show, specifically because we were both frustrated that every party we were going to or had gone to, it was all single people. Mm-hmm. And we were both very frustrated. Like, well, we have maybe a better shot of meeting some single people our age if we go to this stupid stand-up comedy thing. And it's, I don't like the idea of blowing off my friends in order to try and meet people, but it is hard when you're in your 30s and all of your friends are dating. Well, or I mean, it, the, the flip side to that is your friends probably blow you off who, if they're in relationships a bunch of times to go be in their relationships. Right? Absolutely. And like, I mean, and I mean, the, the, like, I'm really lucky. I'm really lucky to have found somebody who can tolerate me yeah um uh so i'm not going to be like condescending and say that relation the relationship's a lot of work because like if i wanted to be single i'd break up with her right um i don't want to be single obviously i want to be in a relationship um i want to be in a relationship with a woman i'm married to i i i I would be very 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 destroyed if it ever went away um uh I also, I don't know what it's like to be single in your 30s. I know what it's like to be single in your very late 20s. Um, yeah. And it it, uh, it it's, sucked. It sucked. But you were part of a wave of people who all seem to find your spouses at around the same time. Yeah, but I was the only nice one. That's true. <laughs> I agree with that. But you were still part of like a friend group where that was all happening. Yeah, but whereas, the them were jerks. I agree. Um, whereas I didn't have that experience. And it's hard. I don't want to say it's hard for me to have sympathy when people talk about the hardships 
because that's not really accurate, but it, it is a part of me gets really frustrated when I'm talking with people who are going through something really difficult, but then they end with, well, you know, I've got my spouse to like get me through this. And all I can think is I'm doing all of that without that. Oh, good. It's, it's really hard. Like I was thinking, I, <laughs> this is super up to the minute reporting here. I, when I went into your bathroom, Dustin, I saw the notes that you have from your wife that say, I love you. I love you. I love you. And the first thing I thought of was it has been years plural since someone told me they loved me who wasn't like a family member at the tail end of a phone call saying like, love you lots. Bye-bye. Like that alone hit me surprisingly hard because it's been a very long time since that's been true. I think 2012 was the last time that that happened. And that's a hard thing to face. Donald Trump wasn't even running for president. Yeah. Uh, well, he, yeah, he was, he, well, he, he had did. his first failed. Yeah. yeah. And he definitely doesn't love us, but he probably would say it in order to get our yeah. vote. For the, for the record, it's a combination of two. Some of the notes are from me. Some of them are from Oh, okay. Me. I, I don't recognize everyone's handwriting. No. Um, no, it, it, it super crazy sucks. Yeah. Like, there's no, there's no, like, rationalization that you can do or anything. No, and the longer lines. it goes, like, the more it sucks and the less likely it is that, like, I'm not trying to be depressing. Like, I know I'm, I know I'm a catch, guys. But, you know, as I get older and older, the pool of people that I'm interested in dating gets smaller and smaller because I'm not interested in dating someone dramatically younger than me. And that means that there's fewer and fewer people who are not interested in it right now. Might change. Might. It's probably not. The reasons why I'm not interested in dating someone significantly younger than me are very timeless. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Fair. I wish I could say it doesn't suck. It does. Yeah. You know. But that was that was the big thing that happened this week. So. I, uh, for those of you at home, uh, before we start the podcast, we talk about which order we should go in. <laughs> Did I fuck this up? Um, it's weirder now. Great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you mentioned you were talking about your birthday. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. Um, it is what it is. Um, Sorry. So we can feel free to break into my story whenever we feel like it, because... Uh, Wait, didn't I, I? I didn't already do that like thirty times with Morgan's. No, you did. I'm just saying. <laughs> good, good. Like, uh, I thought it, I had a stroke. Because my story is equally of the uh, existential crisis. No, oh, uh, <laughs> you know, um, because we we always try to make it about an event, and uh, Dave did a very good job of having an event yeah, happen no, to I, him. I really, I really, I really uh, manufactured that event pretty well, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, we're all very proud of you. Uh, I mean, I let a couple people die, but. I mean, I, so I don't really have a story in that. Right. Multiple people were I mean, killed I, in my name. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, just for the record, for future podcasts, like, that is a story. Letting people die? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just turned my back and then I assumed. I heard some some screams and some squeals. Yeah. Next but, time, give it a go. Let's see. Right, I mean, right, yeah, who knows? We'll see. Fine. Sure. Worth yeah. a shot. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So, for me, uh, I was like, okay, well, what events happened over the course of, you know, last, since last we left our podcast. And I was like, well, I turned 40. That's a thing. Like, <laughs> that's an event. Uh, it's not an event in the sense of like, and then person X walked over to person Y. Uh, but it's an event definitely in the sense of like rocking one's world, you know. Um, it started making me think about like the, ra- the round birthdays, 
you know, because your 10th birthday, you're like, I'm an adult now. Like, you know, because you don't understand fucking anything. You just figure like, okay, well, two digits, like pretty much like, you know. I've got this worked out. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm going to be a CEO in the next few years. Like, yeah. <laughs> based on little kid logic. Uh, 20 is, it's one of those things where like, because you're that age, you kind of want to be an adult sort of. So like the passing of time, you finally feel like 20 or like, all right. Like, I still don't have as much responsibility as, like, a real adult does, but, like, I'm good with this, because in a year I can drink, and <laughs> then, like, the world is my oyster, and it is. Um, 30 um, in, is a fucked up one, because <laughs> so by 30, you're like, okay, I've, I've had, like, a good, like, you know, eight to ten years to accomplish something of which I have accomplished no thanks. I mean, for some people, I'm sure they have, but um, especially for like city folk, um, there's a good chance you've accomplished nothing. Because if I look at all my like suburban friends, they've had kids, they own houses, they have like real jobs, mm -hmm. um, they have saving for their retirement. Um, they have those barbecue grills that have like three separate parts. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, they have like real stuff. Yeah. Um, they got, they got in many cases like a car and a, and a pickup truck. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and it goes in a garage. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was one of those weird things I was thinking the other day about like, um, how I prefer the, the cold to the hot. Except, and I was like, but then you have to get in the car and it's really cold. And I was like, I wish there was like a, a place you could put the car so that it didn't get cold. And I was like, oh yeah, garages. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the world has to. You've <laughs> solved it! Um, so 30 is one of those that sort of like, uh, it seems meaningful when it's happening to you. And you know that like, all right, I got to get my shit together. Uh, 40... I've been saying that 40 is easier than 30. Um, and it is. And the more I think about it, though, like, is it? <laughs> you know? You make a compelling argument um, yourself. All right. Well, that was my story, guys. Um, <laughs> uh, because, like, having having discussed it with other folks, mm -hmm. um your 40s are supposed to be the decade that you sort of reap the rewards of your 30s. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm boned. Uh, like, your 30s, you, you're still working hard. You're trying to get to a point in your career where you're in, oh, like, no. you've accomplished something. And then at 40, you're like, all right, like, I, you know, I got a couple things going on. I can afford to do stuff, blah, blah, blah. Um, but they're also... Uh, the decade in doing that, um, they're the decade where um, the the plan, whatever plan you had, has starts to come into fruition. You know, um, and it sort of becomes more about like what your life is. And you know, as you said, I'm married, and that's the I, I hate to say it on the tail end of your story, but the best thing that I have going on in my life. You know, uh, I couldn't be more 
happy with that. Um, on the tail end, on the opposite side of that, though, is when you turn 30 and you think about having a family, it's all in front of you. You can do whatever you want. You can decide. You can live it up. You can, you know, all the options are out there. Um, but we hit 40 and we don't have kids. And we're not going to, you know. Um, and from 30 to 40, there was hope. But now, like, now that's the choice that we've made, you know. And that's what we have to live with going forward, you know. And it's the point in time where we're going to see a lot of our friends with our kids going to school and having personalities and stuff like that. Like, in some ways, it's easier when they're younger because they're just like little worms. And you're like, oh, that's adorable. But now they're like people who know you, you know. And you you get bummed because I want to know a little person, you know. Uh, and I want them to know me. And I want to talk about stuff, what what it was like before the Trump apocalypse and all that. Like... Uh, and that's never going to happen. Uh, and then I started thinking about reaping the rewards of work, and that seemed like a good idea too, until I realized that like I don't know how much longer I'll be able to work, you know, and I don't know what what comes from that. Like, have I pigeonholed myself into the thing that I am doing, and then come down with a visual impairment that will cease me to be able to do the thing that I've been doing? Um, can I reap the rewards of all that hard work? Or is that plan that I put in place, like, dead, you know? Even when it comes to, like, performing, I, in your 30s, there's still that, like, hope because people will find you, you know, uh, youthful and exciting, maybe, you know? If you're not, in, if you're not successful by your 20s, um, you feel like you're never going to make it. By your 30s, you're still like, okay, I'm kind of a veteran. But by 40, you're dead. You know, you are a person who's doing it for the love of the game instead of uh, to be successful. Uh, maybe not. Maybe who knows. But I guess my point is, like, is when I hit 40... I'm much better. I feel better than I did when I hit 30. But if I know that 40 is when I have to act out the plan that I came in when I was 30, I don't know if I agree with that plan. You know, uh, I, I maybe should have thought it through better <laughs> or whatever you want. Um, so we'll see. Um, the one thing, um, that sort of kind of gave me hope uh, was uh, one of the things I looked at when I was comparing 20s to 30s to my 10 days of being 40 uh, is that when I was 20, um, I did a lot of shows and I, I wanted to do a lot of things, but I could not afford to do really anything. Um, when I hit 30, I still worked super hard and I could do a couple more things. You know, like I could, uh, you know, like pay to go to a hockey game and not be in the back row or whatever it was. Like I could, um, I, I could do that. And I could, the shows that I did were better 
you know? I finally did the shows that I'd been meaning to do. Uh, and for 40, um, I got a lot of tickets to a bunch of different shows to go see. Uh, my parents got me tickets to uh, Book of Mormon, which um, was really funny. Uh, and then my sister got me tickets to see Sarah Silverman um, and Friends. Uh, and that was also pretty funny. Uh, and then uh, Joy got me tickets to see Waitress, um, which is uh, based on the movie with the songs from Sarah Bareilles. Um, and that was very touching. Uh, and it sort of kind of covered all the things that I want to cover in my art, if you will. Um, and it got me thinking that maybe that the trend will kind of continue. That maybe in my 40s, at least from the art perspective, like maybe now I'll finally have the time to say the thing that I want to say, you know? Um, that I'll actually be able to do it the right way because I, I have the experience and the resources or whatever. You, I don't have resources, I don't have resources, but you know what I mean. Like, I. Maybe now it'll solidify in a way that it couldn't have in my 20s or it couldn't have in my 30s where I'm just like cutting through all the bullshit because that's what you do. I don't know, but that's, uh, that's what turning 40 meant to me. And I, uh, yeah. One thing that gives me a lot of hope because, I mean, I'm two years out from 40 and it's like 30 was easy for me because I didn't. I had already started doing grad school and I thought I had like a good path ahead of me, which turned out to not really be the case. But at the time I didn't know any better. Um, so 30 was easy, but like as I've gone through my thirties and also felt very adrift, the thing that's helped me a lot is um, Paul Tompkins, the comedian um, talks a lot about how he had had some early successes in his career, but he felt adrift through his twenties and thirties and he got really, really bitter and angry and his 30s in particular, he worked really, really hard with a therapist and just refocusing himself. And it wasn't until after 40 that he really felt like he found his voice and figured out what he wanted to be doing and how he wanted to be approaching his work in particular, comedy. Mm. Um, but also just as a person, I mean, for me, it's also helpful because he found his spouse after 40 and he didn't really feel like he's in a place to be able to do that before then. Um, there, so I don't know, like I, listening to him talk about his experience of turning 40 has been very helpful for me. Yeah. And it's rare too. Cause like nobody who is quote unquote successful, like basically for people who aren't famous, um, or, you know, like artistically quote unquote successful, depending on how you define it. And most people would define some sort of mass market success. Mm-hmm. Um, for people who aren't that, whether they're normal civilians or people striving to be that, um, they see, uh, their friends and family and then on television, extraordinarily successful people, right? (laughs) Right. And that's the only people you see. And if you ever see an extraordinarily successful person interviewed, no matter when they came to their success and like Lewis Black came to the success, like in his forties, um, uh, and there, there are plenty of people you can point to um, who did. Um, uh, no matter when they came to it, the the question of these like 
years in the weeds is usually summed up in a sentence or two. You know, nobody really covers this time. Nobody really talks about it. Um, because it's not the interesting time. Mm, the interesting right. thing is the project you're working on or the thing, yeah. you know, like, uh, it's very interesting to live it. It's very interesting to struggle. It's what the movie about the plucky underdog is about, but nobody actually talks about the reality of it. Um, and I think that is, as I've aged, that, that both gives me hope, but also it's something that I've come to realize is sort of like a false narrative constructed for a number of reasons, including just patronage. A lot of famous people got famous because their parents were famous. Oh, sure. You know? Yeah. Like, um, uh, so there has to be like a compelling narrative arc to everybody's life, which is half the reason this podcast exists, right? Because mm-hmm. that's not the case. <laughs> right. All right. Well, I think that uh, we've got about death over this week. Yay. Uh, thank you guys for listening. And uh, remember, come check us out live. Yeah. June, June 29th. 29th. Ask for it by name. QED Astoria. Yeah. When last we left our podcast live. Special guests. TBD. Hey.